Revelation chapter 5. Uh, just quickly turn to that before we start, because um, it does actually impact what we're going to do. Revelation chapter 5, uh, beginning at verse 1. Then I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And it goes on. Then I saw a lamb. Okay, so the one who's worthy to open the scroll is Jesus. Okay. And the scroll, what, what's contained in the scroll? Does anybody know? Judgments. Yeah, it's the judgments of God that are going to be proclaimed. So there's going to be seven seals that are going to be opened up, and it'll follow through in the book of Revelation on that. So last time, we looked at uh, kind of a brief history of, uh, of what's, what's laid out in the Bible. And remember, there were three main things that are covered in that history. And those were what? Anybody remember? The nation of Israel. Yep. The temple in Jerusalem and the city of Jerusalem. Yeah. So those are the three main historic references. Israel, Jerusalem, and the temple. Make sure that's got that on the screen. Okay. And we basically went through a number of scriptures, a number of uh, historic references, and ended up in the book of Daniel, chapter 9. And we looked at a prophecy involving uh, what's called the 77s, or sevens of years. And we went through that up until, up until um, the very last seven. That's kind of where we ended up. We had seven years left. And remember, up until that time, it's basically just the nation of Israel being established, uh, the city of Jerusalem being, uh, becoming the capital of the nation of Israel, the tabernacle being built, being replaced by the temple, which was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, that temple was then rebuilt by Zerubbabel during, uh, after the captivity. That temple was then remodeled by Herod. And that was a, the, the, the Herod's temple would be the temple that Jesus would have uh, come to there in Jerusalem. And that temple was destroyed in 70 AD by a general of Rome called Titus and has now been destroyed ever since. So if we look at our current era... We have the city of Jerusalem, not controlled by the Jews, but basically controlled by a number of factions. They have access to Jerusalem, but it's by no means their capital city. I mean, it is, but it isn't. 
Um, the Temple Mount, they're banned from the temple because Islam has a couple sacred um, uh, shrines on that, on that mount, and so they can't get there. So remember we said last time they, they come to what's called the Western Wall, which is actually was a retaining wall built by Herod uh, to allow him to enlarge the Temple Mount. So we, 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 so we, if we, as we go on through our current era, um, the bottom line, Jesus said there will be wars, rumors of wars, all these things. Basically what we see has been going on for you know, hundreds, thousands of years is going to continue. In fact, Jesus said in, in Matthew 24, not only is it going to continue, it's going to get more frequent, more earthquakes, more wars. And we're, we're coming up to a period of time which is that last seven years. So we want to look at Daniel 9.27. So if you'll turn to 9.27 in Daniel... And I've got it here on a little cheat sheet. Okay, in Daniel it says, um, get rid of this box. He will confirm a covenant with the many for one seven. In the middle of that seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed upon him. So we have this guy named He, and that's kind of where we ended up talking with him. So we're looking at seven years. He's going to set up a covenant uh, within that seven-year period. And in the midpoint, he's going to put an end. Sacrifice an offering and he's going to set up a something in the temple. Probably an image. We'll look at that. Okay. Okay. So in the midpoint of this seven-year period, which would be three and a half years, 42 months, 1,260 days. And you'll see these references... Uh, a lot of them, especially in Revelation, but you will see references to these specific numbers uh, pretty much over and over again. Okay. So if we look at this passage, this is something that's going to be future. Has not happened yet. Why is that? Well, there's no temple in Jerusalem, first of all. Okay. So the, the question would be... Um, what does this mean? Okay. And we talked about this last time. We said that before this he comes on the scene, remember he was, uh, well, 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 we'll pin down who he is exactly. But remember um, Jesus said, or in the, we, we looked at a passage of Thessalonians. Let's turn that real quick. Uh, Thessalonians chapter 2. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. And we looked at this last time. We'll just quickly look at it again just to refresh your memories. Thessalonians 
2 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning at verse 3. It says, Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day, and the day that's being talked about there, if you look back earlier in that chapter, is what's called the day of the Lord, and we'll talk about what that is here shortly. Okay. But it says, That day will not come until... And then we're given two markers. One, a rebellion occurs. Uh, other versions say uh, apostasy. They use the word apostasy. Another word uses the word falling away. And then the second uh, uh, marker there is the man of lawlessness will be revealed. And then it goes on and describes him, a man doomed to destruction. He will pose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God. Okay. So this one, this man of lawlessness, I believe, is this he. These guys are the same. So the he from Daniel uh, 9.27, the man of lawlessness from 2 Thessalonians 2.3, Remember, we looked at a passage in Matthew as well, where Jesus, Matthew uh, 24, 15, where Jesus is saying, so when you see standing in the holy place, the abomination causes desolation, referred to by the prophet Daniel. So he's referencing back to this same he. Again, this would be this man of lawlessness as well. Okay. Okay. So what does this mean as far as we're concerned? First thing it means, there has to be a temple. Okay? It's hard to uh, set up an image in a temple if there isn't one. Okay. So there has to be a temple. Second thing would be, he's going to put an end to sacrifice and offering. As far as the Jewish culture goes, sacrifice and offering only takes place in the temple. That's the only place God uh, ordained that it would take place. That's why the temple was built. God was to meet with his people there. They were to bring all their sacrifices, all their offerings to the temple, and that's where that took place. Okay. So the end of sacrifice and offering would say there has to be a temple. The fact he's going to set up something in the wing of the temple says there has to be a temple. So wing. So all this to say, until this, this seven-year period it's going to be ushered in or when it starts, there has to be a temple somewhere in that period. Okay. It starts out by saying what? He's going to make a covenant with the many for one seven. Okay. I think what this, and this is you know, kind of my opinion here, um, that man, this he, he's going to make peace somehow between Islam and Israel. And it's going to allow them to build their temple on the Temple Mount within that first part of the seven years. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I believe that that has to be what's going to happen. Somehow a temple gets built on the Temple Mount. The Muslims are not going to be real happy with that. So somehow this guy is going to be, he's going to work a miracle, probably because of God. 
So there's going to be, an, uh, within that first seven years, temple's going to be built, let's say year one. So year one, temple. And then they begin their offerings, sacrifices. And at three and a half years, he puts an end to it and takes over, sets himself up to be God. Okay, so far, does that kind of make sense a little bit? Okay. So what we need to look at then, as far as what, as far as setting up a, what I'm, what I'm trying to do is get us to the millennium, but to get to the millennium, we have to go through all this other stuff because it all ties to it. The history of the nation of Israel ties to this last seven years. This last seven years will bring us to, once the seven years has ended, the millennium will begin. Okay. So we have to get through the seven years. So what we need to look at is not the whole seven-year period, because the first part of seven years, I think, is going to be pretty peaceful, pretty incredible. Things are going to happen that, that have been worked on for years. You know, I mean, how long has the United States been trying to bring peace between Islam and Israel? So we need to look at this last three and a half years. Okay, so what's going to happen during these last three and a half years? There's going to be two things going on. One, one is called the Day of the Lord. Okay. And who's going to be involved, if you will? What, what I'm going to try to do is lay out, there's basically two major events that are going to, that are going to occur during these last three and a half years. And there's certain individuals, entities who are involved in those um, activities. Okay. So when we look at the Day of the Lord, who's going to be involved in that is, first of all, God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all involved. Okay. Second involved in the Day of the Lord will be the saints. Third, will be the holy angels. Okay, Michael, you know, can name them out if you want. And when you talk about saints, who are, who are the saints? That's us, yeah, okay. Anybody whose name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and that's the key, written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that determines saints from non-saints. Okay, okay. So if you would turn to Isaiah chapter 13, I'm going to just look at a couple of references here for the day of the Lord, just to kind of give you an idea of what it is. And we've talked about this somewhat in the past, but we'll just kind of hopefully get it all into one context today. Isaiah chapter 13, beginning at verse 9. Where'd 13 go? <laughs> it's here somewhere. Ah. Okay. 
beginning at verse 9, chapter 13. See, the day of the Lord is coming, a cruel day, with wrath and fierce anger. It makes the land desolate and destroy the sinners within it. The stars of heaven and their constellations will not show their light. The rising sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. I will punish the world for its evil, the wicked for their sins. I will put an end to the arrogance of the haughty and will humble the pride of the ruthless. I will make man scarcer than pure gold, more rare than the gold of Ophir. It's going to go on. Okay, so we have this thing called the day of the Lord. What's, 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 what do you see in there? What's happening? I mean, first of all, it's a cruel day, so it's not a, you know, it's not, what's that? Judgment, yep. Notice there in the second word, with wrath and fierce anger. Whose wrath and whose fierce anger? God's wrath. Okay. And what's he pouring out against? Look over there. Punish the world for its evil. Okay. So this is God's judgment on the world for the evil that they have done. Primarily against the nation of Israel. Okay. Again, that is always the focus. Um, if you turn to, well, Ezekiel, let's read Ezekiel for you. For the day is near, a day of the Lord is near, a day of clouds, a time of doom for the nations. Okay. And this day is going to be marked, if you notice in the previous verse, the one we read, um, by cosm- uh, cosmic events. The sun's going to be darkened, the moon's going to be turned to blood, the stars are going to fall out of the sky. There's a variety of things, earthquakes. Okay. So it's going to be signaled in by specific events. Joel 2 says, Let all who live in the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming, it is close at hand. A day of darkness and of gloom, a day of clouds and of blackness. Okay. Daniel 12, 1. At, the, at that time, Michael, again, this is, all these references are to the day of the Lord. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, your people again, remember the book of Daniel is written to the nation of Israel, so anytime you see your people in the, nation of, in the, in the book of Daniel, it's going to be referenced to the nation of Israel or to the Jews. Okay. At that time, Michael, the great prince, and by the way, Michael is the protector of Israel. That's his job. Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as not happened from the beginning of nations until then. This time of distress, day of the Lord. But at that time, your people, again, Israel, everyone whose name is found written in the book will be delivered. Okay. So it's a reference here to a group of people from the nation of Israel whose names are written in the book of life, Book of the Lamb, and it says they will be delivered. Delivered from what? Delivered from the wrath of God. Okay, we'll stop there. Uh, Turn to Revelation 6. We were in 5, so you just jump a little bit. Revelation chapter 6.
Revelation 6, starting at verse, and, it, and the context of Revelation, remember that we talked about the scroll there in Revelation 5? Okay. Beginning Revelation 6, verse 1, the scrolls, it, the seals on the scroll are beginning to be opened. Okay. So we're going to jump ahead to Revelation 6, verse 12. Revelation 6, verse 12. I watched as he opened the sixth seal. And there are seven seals on this scroll, by the way. So this is the next to the last seal. I watched as he opened the... He is who? Here, just to get our context right. I watched as he opened the seal. Jesus. Remember, Jesus is the only one found worthy to open the seals. I watched as he opened the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black as sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned to blood red, and the stars in the sky fell to earth like as late figs dropped from the fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The sky receded like a scroll rolling up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Verse 15, then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and every slave and every free man hid in the caves among the rocks and mountains. They called to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us, hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come. Who can stand? Okay. So this verse, all the rest of the ones we read, are all referring to the same thing, the day of the Lord. The day of God's wrath, the day of God's judgment. So if I look at all these princes, generals, rich, mighty, slave, these people... What, what's one thing they all have in common? Their names are not written in the book of life. Okay. So these are unsaved, unrepentant people. And their response to the day of the Lord is what? Hide us. Deliver us. Get us out of this thing. Okay. Okay. So let's just, um, obviously God's involved in this. Let's look at, I want to look at specifically at Jesus because he is involved definitely. Okay. Um, in the Old Testament, anybody know what Jesus was called in the Old Testament? He is there throughout. Yeah. The Almighty. The Almighty, yep. Anything else? Messiah, yep. He's also called... The angel of the Lord. Anytime you say a reference to the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord, in the Old Testament, that's a reference to Jesus. Okay. So remember when um, um, Adam is sitting by his tent and the three guys come walking up and one of them is the angel of the Lord. And he, the angel of the Lord stops, and the other two go on to Sodom. And the angel of the Lord sits and talks to Abraham. Okay. All right. Uh, turn to Zechariah, chapter 3. Uh, Zechariah, if you go to Malachi and go back a couple books, you'll find Zechariah. Okay. So Zechariah, chapter 3. 
And Malachi, remember, is the last book of the Old Testament. So Malachi, next one back is Zechariah. Go back to verse chapter 3 of Zechariah. And actually, uh, Dick read this scripture two Sundays ago. So we're looking at it again. But I want you to, we're looking at it for a different reason. Okay. Then he showed me Joshua. Everybody have it? This is okay. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at the right hand to accuse him. Okay. So here we have two people or two individuals standing here. Well, three. Joshua, the high priest, the angel of the Lord, and Satan. Okay. If you notice... Uh, we, we've got there Satan's job description. Standing at the right hand to accuse him. Satan is known as the accuser of the brethren, and he's standing there waiting to accuse Joshua. Okay. The Lord said to Satan, so now we're switching to a third individual. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. So now we have God the Father in this picture, rebuking Satan for basically accusing Joshua. Okay, so far? The Lord, who, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire. Okay. Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. What angel? The angel of the Lord. Okay. The angel said to those who were standing before him, take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, See, I have taken away your sin, and I will put rich garments on you. Okay. So we have the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord tells the people to, or the others there, to take off Joshua's clothes and put on clean clothes. And then he goes on to tell him, See, I have taken away your sin. Okay. So we know the only one who can take away sin is God. And this, is, this one who's taking away sin is referred to as the angel of the Lord. The only one that could be then would be Jesus. So here we, have a, here we have basically a way of, if you will, attaching the name Jesus to the angel of the Lord. Okay. So that was in the Old Testament. So as you go through the Old Testament, anytime you see angel of the Lord, it is a reference to Jesus and various things he's doing. And you'll see several references throughout the Old Testament. Uh, New Testament. We know Jesus came, lived, died, rose again. So where is he now? Sitting at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Right. We've got several references to that. Hebrews tells us that. Uh, best one, remember when, when um, Stephen was being stoned and he looked up to heaven and what did he say? What did he see? He saw Jesus not sitting, but standing at the right hand of the Father. Why was he standing and not seated? I, I think it's kind of cool. I think he was standing, yeah, to honor Stephen and to receive him. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so we see Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father. And what is he doing in heaven at the present time? Interceding, yes. Remember, we saw that picture back there in Joshua, right? Satan is there to accuse. Jesus is there to intercede. 
basically to uh, confront the accusations of Satan. Okay. Uh, Hebrews chapter 7 says, Jesus who lives forever, he is a permanent priesthood, therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Remember, the, the book of Hebrews makes a big point um, at Jesus being the sacrifice that does not need to be done. Remember, the, the Old Testament sacrifices always had to be done year after year after year. Hebrews makes the point Jesus made a sacrifice once for all himself and now lives forever. And to do what? To intercede on our behalf. So we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, who is advocating for our state. That is, that we have chosen Christ to be our Savior. We are righteous, we are holy, we are sons of God. And Satan is still there accusing us, but Jesus is saying, no, I paid the price. Lori. Correct. Yep. Yeah. So what's going on in the temple during the first three and a half years that the he or the um, is going to put an end to is the sacrifices ordained by God for the Jews to make according to the law. Okay. Yeah. Remember that the Jews under the currently now are, are still under law. Only those who have chosen Christ are, if you will, transformed in the kingdom of God. The rest of them are still under law. I asked a, a, a rabbi once, <laughs> uh, we're sitting on a ferry boat going across from Morocco to Spain, and I had a great conversation with this, this guy. And uh, I said, uh, okay, so you don't have a temple, so how can you perform the sacrifices that you're required to, to perform based on the Old Testament law? And he said, oh, we've, we, uh, we don't have to do that anymore because we have, uh, uh, I think, I'm trying to think of what the word he used. It was basically good works. We have sac- we've put in good works in place of the sacrifices. Because we, so we don't have to do those. Okay. That, was his, that was his point. <laughs> uh, but eventually they will. Okay. So the day of the Lord is going to be going on somewhere in this three and a half year period. God's wrath is being poured out upon the world, which is represented by those seven seals on the scroll that Christ opens. And those seven seals open, the seventh seal opens, that begins uh, the trumpets, seven trumpets, the seventh trumpet sounds, that begins the bowls, and you have all these judgments. And there's, they're not necessarily sequential. I believe that they're, they're going almost simultaneously. Okay. But nonetheless, it is the wrath of God being poured out upon the world. Okay. okay. Second thing is going to be going on. And I'm just going to call this the day of Satan's wrath. This pen is not working very well. Try a different one. Oops. It does erase.
the day of Satan's wrath. Okay. And again, just like I did before here, who's going to be involved in that as far as that goes? Well, Satan, fallen angels, the beast, false prophet, heard that, and basically you could say unsaved. So unholy angels, unholy Satan, false prophet, beast, and people whose names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Okay, okay so let's turn to Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13. And I saw a beast coming out of the sea. Okay. And the sea would be basically mankind. Okay. He had ten horns and seven heads with ten crowns and his horns, on his horns, and on each head was a blasphemous name. That beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion, Let's stop right there for a second. Uh, in the book of Daniel, there's a reference to the kingdoms of the earth that were present um, basically before and after Daniel. And that would have been the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks, and the Romans. Okay. And these references, to, these references here to um, uh, leopards, bears, um, these are basically... We're, are images that were used for those kingdoms. Okay. So what we're looking at here is a kingdom that's coming on the earth that's going to encompass all of the kingdoms that have previously been. Okay. Does that make sense? Okay. That's the beginning of the last three and a half years. So we are at the we are at this point right here. So if this is the timeline Here's seven years. Here's three and a half. We're down here. Last three and a half years. Wrath is coming here from God. And wrath, Satan. Okay. Does that make sense? Can you see that? Whoops. There we go. Okay. Moving along. Um, the dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. Okay. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have had a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was astonished and followed the beast. Men worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast and asked, Who is like the beast? Who can make war against him? So what we have is we have a kingdom, and out of that kingdom is going to come this one that's called a beast, who's actually going to be a man 
that is the what some people call the Antichrist. Yep. Remember, the word Antichrist simply means against Christ. And so anything that's against Christ is an Antichrist. You might say this is the ultimate Antichrist. <laughs> okay. And this beast and the he and the man of lawlessness from Thessalonians. are all the same person. And the one thing they have in common they're empowered by Satan, the dragon. So he's going to have the name dragon. He's got several other titles, but that doesn't matter. Okay, so he's empowered by the dragon. And what, the, what are the people of the earth, what's their response? They're in awe, worship. Who can... Yeah. yeah. Who is like the beast? Who can make war against him? They worship the beast and ask. Okay. Are these saved or unsaved individuals, first of all? Unsaved. Okay, so this is our not not in the Lamb's Book of Life. Okay, unsaved people. Okay. They're going to be in awe by this guy. It says the beasts are given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and exercise authority for forty-two months. Okay, three and a half years, one thousand two hundred sixty days. He opened his mouth and blasphemed God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. He was given power to make war against the saints, that one we probably don't like, and to conquer them and was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all, and here's the key, all whose names have not been written in the book of life. Belonging to the Lamb who was slain from the foundation, from the creation of the world. Okay. He who has an ear, let him hear if anyone won't read that. Okay, jump down to verse 11. Okay. okay, so we have the beast. He's empowered by Satan. All of the world, those not written in the Lamb's book of life, are going to worship him. Um, and we'll look at some other passages shortly, but Let's go on here. Then I saw, okay, another beast. So we got beast one, beast two. Coming out of the earth, he had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. Okay. He exercised all the authority of the first beast on his behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants to worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. Okay. And he performed great and miraculous signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of men. Because of the signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beasts, he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. He ordered them to set up an image. Okay, so we have the second beast. We have beast number one, beast number two. And what's beast number two's job? He is to... Basically, lift up beast number one. He's to point the people to beast number one and say, look at this great guy. 
And so I would say that this is a false, you might say a false trinity. The power in the trinity is Satan. The one taking the role of Christ would be the beast. And beast number two we'll just call the false prophet, would be taking the place of the Holy Spirit. Okay. So we have false trinity, Satan, beast, false prophet. We have the true trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Okay. Uh, let's see, it goes on to say, he forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand, or on his forehead so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast and the number of his name. This calls for wisdom. If anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast. It is man's number. His number is 666. So there's where you get the 666 thing. So it's the number of man. Remember when you, in the Bible when you say things three times, it's for emphasis. 666, Jesus is what? 777. There we go. Okay. Okay. Question so far. Is this kind of making sense? Okay. Yes, somewhere. Yep. Uh, who knows? It, it appears that he has been killed. At least appears to have killed. No, no. This is simply going to be an event that takes place during his rule. He's going to appear to be killed and he's going to be resurrected. Okay. Uh, it's all done with, with smoke and mirrors. So it's not a real death, not a real resurrection necessarily. But nonetheless, the people are going to believe it. Okay. Which one? Yeah, it's right here. It's in, Re in this passage in Revelation. Um, verse 3. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have a, had a fatal wound, but a fatal wound had been healed. Okay. No. Well, later on, the, the false prophet makes reference to it. But a fatal wound is what? Yeah. It's not just a, you know, something that kills you. So, so what we're looking at here... This guy is supposed to die and come back to life. Okay. Whether he does or not, probably not. Okay. Okay. Um, let's jump just back one chapter there in Revelation because we need to set a stage here as well. Uh, verse chapter twelve, verse seven. Chapter 12, verse 7, Revelation. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. So here we have a war between the holy angels and Satan and the unholy angels. But he, being Satan, was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan 
who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. All right. Let's stop right there. Okay, so let's look at this guy here. First of all, Satan. Um, created or not created? He's created. He's just a created being. Um, turn to, let's see. I wrote that down. Yeah, let's turn to turn to Job chapter one. Where's that passage? Job chapter one. Job is right before Psalms. Job chapter 1, 10, verse 1, uh, actually, beginning at verse 6. One day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you been, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming through the earth, going back and forth. Okay. So, Old Testament Job. So Satan is basically living in heaven and on earth. He's able to go between the two. We saw that passage in Zechariah where the angel of the Lord and Joshua were standing there and Satan is there. Okay. So Satan is basically at our current day now. He's in heaven and in earth. What's he doing in heaven? Accusing us. What's he doing on earth? Yeah, all the stuff he does, yeah. Trying to turn the world astray. Okay. At his future date, he's going to be kicked out of heaven. That's what that passage you read, that war in heaven. So eventually, he is going to be denied access to in which case, he knows his time is short. He's a little bit ticked about it. And that's where this whole passage where he goes and he raises up this person to rule. Okay. Uh, I'm looking. Anybody remember what Satan was like before? Before he fell? Yeah. Yeah, he was one of the ruling angels in heaven. Uh, probably was, yeah. Yep, yep. He was the protector of God's presence. And then sin was found in him, and he fell. Okay. I'm trying to think where that passage is. but Anybody remember? It's 14.12, okay. 
I thought I had it written down, but I didn't. 14. It's the king of, it deals with the king of Tyre. No, 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 no. No, that's not it. <laughs> uh, we'll find it eventually. Okay. That might be it. Sounds more like it. It's a prophecy dealing with the king of Tyre. 28. 28. 12. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Ezekiel 28. Um, beginning of verse, um, actually just beginning verse before verse 11. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. You were a model of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you, ruby, topaz, emerald, chrysolite, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and beryl. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. You were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until wickedness was found in you. Okay. So that's like a a look at Satan from his creation to his fall. And once he fell, he then took a bunch of other angels with him, and now what he's doing is accusing the brethren and trying to destroy anything that God has created. Okay. And the main thing he wants to destroy is Israel. And why is that? God's chosen people. What else about it? Messiah, which we sang about, is going to come from where? The nation of Israel. Okay. All of God's promises for future rule and authority are tied to the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel and a son of the nation of Israel, Jesus. And that's where Satan's full fury is leashed out. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yes, now he is, yes. So now the object is not only the Messiah, but also the church. That passage you read, he's going to make war against the saints, and he's going to have victory over them. Okay. Um, actually, 
Let's turn to Revelation. Turn to Revelation chapter 6, verse 9. Revelation chapter 6, verse 9. Revelation 6, verse 9. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until a number of their fellow servants and brothers who were to be killed as they had been was completed. Okay. So under this altar we had the souls of what we would call would be martyrs or people who had died for the testimony of Christ. And they are crying out, how long until our, ven- our blood, how, how long before your wrath is completed and our blood is avenged? And he says, what? Not until the total number of those who will be slain. So this is talking about all who are going to be slain because of Christ. Okay. All right. I'm not sure why I went there. (laughs) Okay, so, oh, that's why, because Satan's, you know, is trying to destroy the church, trying to destroy Messiah. He is going to have victory over the saints, and anybody who doesn't worship the beast or take his mark is going to be slain. The church can't take the mark. God, Christ won't let them. And so, Many of that are in the church will be killed. Not all, but many. Okay. So, everybody, everybody. All those whose names are written in the book of life. When I say church, I'll say that. Saved, maybe, or saints. So, saved, saints. Book of Life, all the same reference. They have that one thing in common. Okay. okay, so during this last three and a half years, the wrath of Satan is being poured out on who? The church, nation of Israel. Anything God has created, he's trying to destroy, and he doesn't have much time to do it. The wrath of God is being poured out on those whose names are not written in the book of life, the world, the world systems. Okay. So these two things are going on simultaneously, but they have separate, if you will, instigators, antagonists, whatever you want to say. Okay. And that's going on in this last three and a half years. Trying to destroy that. 
Yes. He's trying, he's still trying, okay. Satan is still trying to win. I mean, we got Satan here. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, okay. Yeah. Satan doesn't want to give up. Okay. So, I mean, what's happening is these, these two things are going on, these two events, the wrath of Satan through the beast of the Antichrist, the wrath of God, through basically Jesus is the mediator, and this is through the seals, well, the judgments, I should say. Okay, so the wrath of God mediated by Jesus, who's opening the scroll, the seals, the wrath of Satan, who's, using, who's running his wrath through the beast and the false prophet. You'd think he'd have to, but he doesn't necessarily know that he does not have all knowledge. Okay. It's just like, you know, you're in a baseball game and the score is 460 to 3. You're, you're, you got the 3. But you keep playing thinking, you know, we, we still can win. We still can win. <laughs> May not. Okay. So I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know inside the, the brain of Satan, but nonetheless... This is, he's still trying to destroy God's creation. He's still trying to destroy the nation of Israel. Yes? Right. Um, there's nothing really that shows how these all tie together. You know? I mean, it's, it's, even when you look at the judgments, you look at the seals, the bowls, the trumpets, um, there's, no, there's no real indication that you're looking at a timeline that these things are actually overlapping. Yeah. 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 The setting of the abominations is going to begin the whole thing. Somewhere after that, the wrath of God is, well, actually the opening of the sixth seal, the fifth seal, or sixth seal, sorry, is going to be the beginning of God's wrath. Okay. No. It's in the, it, all, I, all I know, all I would say, I mean, I can't say even for certain, but I'm just saying it's going to be occurring within that th- three and a half years. Yeah. That all of it's, you know, the scriptures tell us to look for this man of lawlessness. The man of lawlessness is going to rule for 42 months um, in, when he's empowered by Satan. So that tells us that's three and a half years. Israel is going to be protected for three and a half years. So there's, you get all these references that say all these things are happening in that last three and a half years. How they are interrelated, we don't have that kind of detail. Does that make sense? Okay, um, remember in the passage in Daniel that the 77s, there was a, it started out by saying, this is for your people, the nation of Israel, to what? 
finish transgression, put an end to sin, bring in everlasting righteousness. So there are some, you might say, bullet points that were to be accomplished by this 77 years. Okay. So within this, this last seven years, within this last three and a half years, basically those bullet points will be accomplished in the nation of Israel. So let's look at Israel. Book of Romans tells us that all Israel will be saved. So, you know, if you look, if you think about it, we as Gentiles have been saved one at a time by what? Faith in Christ. Okay. <laughs> I'll deal with this too. Um, and who gave you the faith? God did. Who called you? God did. Who saved you? God did. What did I do? Nothing. Okay. So our salvation is strictly because of God's grace and mercy. Why did he choose me and not some guy next door? Because God chose me and not the guy next door. Why did God choose Israel and not Babylon? Because God chose Israel. You know, the bottom line comes down to God is sovereign. And God is going to do what God is going to do. And we can't claim, remember Paul says, don't boast in this, don't boast in that, but boast in God. Okay. Okay. But now let's look at Israel. For Israel, we have to deal with what's called... A, so Israel is unique. Okay, we're getting that. Israel is unique in the sense that Israel is going to be saved as a nation. So there are Jews right now who have accepted Christ as their Savior. So they are part of the kingdom of God. They are part of those written in the Lamb's Book of Life. They are saved. But then there's all the rest of Israel. And out of that nation is going to be a remnant. And that remnant is going to be saved by God. They're not going to be saved like we were individually. They're going to be saved as a group. Turn to Isaiah chapter 10. So God chose the nation of Israel as a group. He is going to save them as a group. So Isaiah chapter 10, beginning of verse 20. Isaiah chapter 10, beginning of verse 20. In that day, and I always want to talk about in that day, usually is referring to the day of the Lord or something associated with that. In that day, the remnant of Israel, the survivors of the house of Jacob, will no longer rely on him who struck them down, but will truly rely on the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. A remnant will return, a remnant of Jacob, with 
will return to the mighty God. Though your people, O Israel, be like the sand of the sea, only a remnant will return. So it's saying here that the nation of Israel you know, always talks about the you know, nation being like the sand of the sea, so, but only a remnant, only part of the nation. So, you know, this is Israel. That chunk is going to be saved. The rest is not. Right, so this is all Israel. All Israel. All Israel that are truly Israel. If somebody is truly Israel, they will believe God and trust God, as opposed to not. Does that make sense? So it's talking about all Israel. It is this group that's being referred to, this remnant, not the entire nation. The entire nation that, you might say, the entire nation that has the attributes of what it is to be a Jew or is to be Israeli. That is, to trust God, to love God, to hold him as Savior. You know that passage in Jeremiah, the New Covenant, where it says, I'm writing a new covenant, you know, and it's, it's repeated in the book of Hebrews. We're under the New Covenant, right? The covenant in Christ's blood. But if you look at that covenant that he's making with the nation of Israel, he says what? I will write my laws in your heart. I will, I will, I will. He's simply doing it, but he's doing it for a remnant. Just part of the nation. That make sense? Okay. So when it talks about all Israel, it's talking about that group. They do. Yep. Yes. Correct. Yeah. All he has chosen. Now, if you look at that scripture, there's a scripture that says, "Chosen before the foundation of the world," referring to believers. Okay. God knew who was to be saved before you ever were created. And he chose those who would be saved. And do we have a choice not to act on his choice? No. No. What's that? Go ahead. Yep. 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 Is that before the seven years or before the three and a half? The the, okay, the temple will be built, I, I believe, early on in the that first seven years. Seven years. Yeah. And then the Jews will institute their um, all their worship, all their religious requirements under the law. And in the middle of that, he's going to stop their sacrifices, stop their offerings, basically shut down the temple, and set it up to be his temple. One more rabbit hole. Uh, pastor has talked, when he was teaching out of Romans, uh-huh. about in Romans 1, yep. that because we have changed the truth for a lie, yep. the wrath of God has 
Mm -hmm. And it will be poured out. Okay, you have references to the wine glass of God's wrath being filled in, in the book of Revelation. And so, so basically, he's poured out his wrath in the sense that all who reject Christ have been judged already. They're receiving, you might say, the fruits of that. But nonetheless, he is going to judge them physically, those who are left, during this last three and a half years. So there's actually going to be a, a judgment which involves the wrath of God poured out upon mankind. So it has been poured out in the sense that it's, you're given over. Yeah, it, it's, it's a done deal. You know, it's just like... Um, yes, there you go. Yeah. So the wrath has already been poured out, but really hasn't, if that makes sense. Yeah, and will be. Okay. Yeah, okay. Other questions make sense so far? Yes. Yeah, yes. Exactly. Okay, um, let me just do a couple more things. I just want to tie this up and then we'll be done until next time. Um, and this is a, something that during this period of time this last three and a half years will anyone be saved? Okay. if you look at the uh, book of Hebrews in chapter 3, it says, Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as you did during the rebellion. Okay. Today is the day of salvation. Okay. We start, if we look at this three and a half year period, and I want you to look, just turn to a couple, just a couple of scriptures and then we'll be done. Uh, Revelation chapter 9. Actually, just, maybe I'll just read them to you, maybe easier. Because they all have the same thing in common. Revelation 9, 20, and 21 reads, The rest of mankind that were not killed by these plagues. Okay. The plagues always refer to basically the opening of the seals of trumpets and bold judgments. Still did not repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshiping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood idols that cannot hear or walk, nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, or sexual immorality, um, or their thefts. Uh, looking at Revelation 16, they were seared by the intense heat, and they, out, and they cursed the name of God who had control over these plagues, but they refused to repent and glorify him. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 9 uh, or beginning of verse 10. Then every soul, every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing, they perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that they will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have, dark, have delighted in wickedness. So if I look at 
the unsaved people during this last three and a half year period, what's their response to the judgments? They curse God, they do not repent. They curse God, they do not repent. Without repentance, there's no salvation. Okay. So if I look at this last three and a half period, and somewhere you know, where that begins, is there will be no one will be saved. The one exception. Yep. Yeah. So when I'm talking, so basically we've got out of the tribulation, out of this period of time, which is called the tribulation, people call it that. Out of this tribulation, the only thing being saved will be the remnant of Israel. Everybody else will not. Okay. So if you come into the tribulation, into this three and a half year period, and you have yet, if you have rejected Christ up to that point, you will continue to do so. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Saints. Because they washed the robes. Okay. What was that? Verse chapter 7? Yep. 14? Okay. The one, one of the elves asked me, okay, it's looking back at 13. Well, that's like, uh, one of the elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they? And where did they come from? Of course, that's referring back to verse 9. Okay, so if you could jump back to verse 9 of Revelation 7. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, and then the verse that you referred to says, Then one of the elders asked me, Who are these in white robes? Who are they and where do they come from? He answered, Sir, you know. And he said, these are the ones who have come out of the great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white with the blood of the Lamb. Okay. So first of all, this, if you look at the context of that, it's a, it's a group of people from every tribe, nation, language, beyond number. Okay. And what do they have in common? They're all in white robes. And what's it mean to be in a white robe? Sanctified, holy pure, okay? And they all came out of the great tribulation. So who are these? These are the saints from day one to final day. Anyone whose name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life is this group outside of this remnant there. So we're there. That's us. 
Nope. The church isn't going to come out of the Great Tribulation. We're going we're to go through part of it. And no. I think this is everybody. First, the reason being, number one, it's without number. I mean, it's lots and lots of people. Every nation, every tribe, every language is represented. Okay. What's that? Tribulation would be the last three and a half years. That's where they came from. They're, okay, well, we don't have time to do that. Uh, <laughs> we'll do that next time. The whole idea of what's called the rapture of the church. We'll deal with that next time. That's these people. You have to look at, uh, just one, one last thing. Um, go to Matthew 24. Matthew 24, beginning at verse, well, actually, let's, let's begin at verse 29. Okay. Matthew 24, 29. Immediately after the stress of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will turn to bl- not a light. Okay, so you got this reference to, the same reference that was in the opening of the seventh seal. Same reference for the day of the Lord. Okay. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn, the same thing they had before. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. All right. Now, and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather the elect from the four winds and from one end of heaven to the other. Okay. This event here is what I think is commonly called the rapture, or if you will, the gathering up of the church. And if you look, we'll look at that next time because we're out of time now. Gathering up of all of those who have believed, either died in their faith or are still living at the time of Christ's return. And these are those in that passage in Revelation uh, 7 where they're standing without number before the throne, same group. Okay? What's that? Um, I'm talking about somewhere in the last three and a half years that this is going to occur. I don't think, I don't think it's at the end of the tribulation, but it's probably near the end, somewhere in the middle. Half middle. I, you know, I'm not going to pin on a date, but it's, it occurs, this, this passage here occurs towards the end of that three and a half years, what's called tribulation did. Yep. Okay, we got to stop. <laughs> uh, so we'll finish up last time, or next time, and then hopefully uh, get the whole millennium thing done. That's the plan. <laughs> okay, let's, let's close in prayer.